Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. This is Alan Weiss. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. Today, I'm talking about triple talk. Triple talk is like jabberwocky. It's talk that's not completely honest. It's misleading. It's not just the misinformation and disinformation of the social media. We're actually deceiving each other when we speak interpersonally. It's become a habit. It's become the norm. I flew back on American Airlines from Miami to Boston last week, and the flight was 90 minutes late. That was okay because there were storms in the Miami area. And my feeling was we were going home, that's okay, America let me know in plenty of time, it's no problem. We get on the American flight, however, and as we gain some kind of cruising altitude, the captain says, I'm happy to inform you that we'll be getting in on time or slightly ahead of time. So I said to the flight attendant, has this guy found some kind of warp in the fabric of the cosmos? Because there's no way on a two and a half hour flight back to Boston that you make up 90 minutes. And he said, the captain was referring to the fact that we'd be on time for the new late arrival or slightly early. I said, do any of you realize how silly that is? He said, I know, I'll talk to the captain. Well, I don't know if he did or not, but it gave me a good laugh and I'm proud to represent that to you. In the Admirals Club in Miami, an agent is helping me with a gate when an employee of the club walks over and simply starts talking to her in very poor English, interrupting me and not caring. The agent apologizes to me very profusely. She gets a certain key, gives it to the employee who apparently needed supplies. The agent explained that the employee spoke no English at all. Zero. Nada. Okay. But doesn't common courtesy and basic intelligence say you not to break into a conversation with a customer, no matter what language you speak or understand? Can't you see what's happening? And does American really hire people who can't speak English at all? What happens in the event of an emergency? The woman at the pool at the W Hotel South Beach in Miami is carrying towels for me and escorting me to our chairs at the pool, for which I will tip her. I ask her, it's my first time that uh, trip there, is the pool heated? Well, she says, it is pretty hot today. I respond, I mean, is it artificially heated? And she says, I'm only here five days, so I don't really know. How long would it take to find that out? Maybe sticking your toe in the water? I don't know. I mean, what she has to know is the location of towels and how to give them out and collect them and whether the pool is heated and where the restrooms are. That takes about 90 seconds. Is that too much for management to inculcate in a new employee? A political candidate in one of the recent debates is asked if he thinks the country is going in the right direction because the overwhelming feedback in a recent poll is that it's not. Despite political party, it's not. I won't answer that question, he says. The moderator says, I insist that you do. He goes off on a tirade about big pharma, big banks, and the rich. Never answers the question. And my problem is, he thinks so little of our intelligence and so much of his that he thinks he's actually carried the day. 
You ask a politician where he or she stands on immigration or abortion, and they'll say something like this. I'll tell you where I stand on abortion. The same thing that I feel about Social Security. I will never allow it to end. I've been a Social Security supporter for my entire term. Look at the legislation. I've. It's got nothing to do with the question at hand. It's subterfuge. It's jabberwocky. It's triple talk. I have news for you folks. I don't know why flight attendants want to see us into our graves, but they keep wishing us well in our final destination. Where the plane lands is not our final destination. It is a destination. A Qantas representative in Bangkok tells me that my luggage isn't lost, but they just don't know where it is. I said, in other words, it's lost. He said, no, it's not lost. I said, then point it out to me. He said, I can't. We don't know where it is. The next day, my baggage is delivered to the hotel, having gone to London and back. I inquired about separate frequent flyer points, but I got it back the next day, and that's fine. On the day following that, though, baggage claim calls me again to inform me they're still searching for it. I invited them over to my place so that they could find it. I'm sitting in the office of a bank senior executive vice president. And there in that office sits the human resources director. And he says, tell me what's number one on our priority list today. I'd like to apprise Dr. Weiss. And this human resource woman says, we've decided that we can handle the trits by using the parking lot. And I'm wondering all of a sudden what they'll be using their parking lot for and what are the trits? Is it some kind of special vehicle? Is it a construction crew? And as she talked, and talked about long-term impact and savings and so forth, I realized that attrits were people who were going to go through attrition. That is, they were going to be thrown out. But instead of being thrown out or fired or laid off or otherwise hidden, they were going to be put in the parking lot. The parking lot was a metaphor for nowhere land. They were just going to be pushed aside for the moment. After she left, I told the senior executive vice president that I would never deal with this woman again, and he had to promise me that we wouldn't use metaphors and that kind of false representation to talk about human beings, because it depersonalizes them. It makes them unpersons, and therefore it's easy to treat them like crap because they're not really people. He said, I had not realized that. I just thought it was human resource lingo. I said, oh, it is, but that's the problem. I used to work with a guy named Ted Joseph. Ted Joseph was our regional manager in Atlanta for the Southeast. He was a kind of a short, rotund guy, but he was a lot of fun and he delivered good results. And despite his stature, he was a very good golfer. He loved a good cigar with some wonderful scotch. And this is when you could smoke cigars in restaurants. In fact, they offered you the best they had. Well, one day we're in a bar and Ted got blitzed. And it was clear we had to get him out of there. But before we could do that, the bartender came over and told him he was cut off. I think it's called 86. I'm not sure. Fortunately, I've never been 86 or whatever. And he said he had to go. Ted said, I, I, I'll stop drinking. He said, no, you have to get out of here. And Ted Joseph looked him in the eye and he said, I didn't walk in here and I'm not leaving. I thought that was one of the greatest lines I've ever heard. I mean, I can't imagine what it means, but I thought it was great. The Northeastern region guy 
who I used to work for, also ran Canada. And one time, another client service guy and I escorted him to a paper mill in Canada that was part of Canadian International Paper, CIP, and we were trying to sell this new paper plant because others were already clients. And the night before, this managing director also got blitzed. His name was Sean. And Sean, in, next morning, looked dreadful. He had a terrible hangover. His eyes were red, bags under his eyes. But we get in the rental car. We drive to the plant. Ronnie and me, the service guys, and Sean, we sit down and in comes senior management. And to our great shock, the plant manager was a woman. That was unheard of back then. And she was French-Canadian, and she sat down in this gorgeous outfit with dark hosiery and high heels and crossed her legs, greeted us nicely and warmly, and said, please proceed, tell us how you can help us. And as Sean began to talk to her, he actually put his hand on her knee as he was explaining something. And her minions, her direct reports, looked on this with total distaste. And Ronnie and I looked on it as perhaps the end of our lives. Paper plants, in case you don't know, have very large saws, blades that continue to turn. And after a while, this very classy woman looked down and said to Sean, why is your hand on my knee? And Sean looked down and contemplated this for about 10 seconds and then said to her, that's not my hand. After about another five absolutely agonizing seconds, she broke up and started to laugh. And then the rest of us did. And we actually got the sale. I am not defending Sean's behavior. I am not defending his actions. I'm only saying talk is really interesting sometimes, whether or not it makes sense. Don't you love it in restaurants? That's my new puppy in the back squeaking. You'll have to put up with him. Doesn't it, isn't it great in restaurants where the server uses the first person plural and includes himself in the conversation? Are we still enjoying our meal? That's funny. I didn't see you here sharing it with me. And you and I aren't buddies. Are we prepared for dessert? I don't care or know about you. I'll tell you when I am. This is another habit you find in restaurants now that's utterly repulsive. The lawn people here, and when I complain to them there are brown spots on the lawn, or there's crabgrass, or there are strange little insects that have never been seen before on earth, say to me, there was too little rain, it's too dry, it's causing these conditions. At other times, when I'll tell them this, the exact same thing, they'll say, there was too much rain, it's too wet, and that's what's causing these conditions. Apparently, there's never perfect rain, or in my case, perfect lawns, and there's always a reason for it, even if the reasons contradict. You know, there's something I call kick the can speech. You know how people kick the can down the road? I mean, stereotypically, in the old days, the doctors would say, take two pills, call me in the morning. That kicks the can down the road. You're out of the doctor's way for the moment, and maybe the two pills will help and you'll feel better. If not, Maybe you'll forget to call back. And that's kicking the can down the road. Well, today, it's send us an email and we'll get back to you in 48 hours. That never happens. They're kicking the can down the road. In fact, if you think about it, you'll hear a voicemail message when you call some people. Your call is very important to us. Our customers are very important to us. And we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Well, they get back to you about three days later. And if customers were so damn important to them, they'd have more staff. And the problem is, 
they don't. Your actual conditions may vary. Remember that? People would talk about, oh, miles per gallon or something. Your actual conditions may vary. And this is just the manufacturer's suggested retail price, the MSRP. Who the hell knows what it really might be? I'll tell you something. You have to be careful about your conditions varying, especially with electric cars and Tesla, because when they claim their original miles, their range, you know, so people don't have range anxiety, it was 200 or 250 miles before you needed another charge. But that was running the car at a constant 60 miles an hour without acceleration or braking, a constant 60, with no air conditioning, no accoutrement, as they say, and uh, not passing other cars and so forth. Now, who drives like that? And so things are deceptive. You don't really know what's happening. I was doing a program in, in England at a hotel outside of London. And I said to them, I want coffee in, at 8.15 served in the conference room. They said, fine. 8.15, no coffee. They said, it's on its way. 8.30, no coffee. I went downstairs. And what I found is they were finally assembling the coffee and scones or whatever it is English people do in the morning. And I said... It was 8.15. They said, yes, we arrived at 8.15. And so to the English, if something's to be somewhere at 8.15, they arrive at 8.15 to start to assemble it. And so I told them after that, that I wanted the coffee at 7.30 and we had no problems. I was staying in a place in Ohio, some hotel in Dayton or somewhere. And this is before GPS. And I went to the desk and I said, I'm going to this company. She said, I don't know it. I said, it's on Route 10. And she said, there is no Route 10. I said, they told me this hotel was adjacent to Route 10. In fact, if you look at this map, a hard copy map I had, Route 10's right here. And she looked at me in the eye and she said, honest to God, I cannot make this up. You mean Route 10. I said, is the company on Route 10? She said, yes, it is. Let me tell you something. With doublespeak, with jabberwocky, with triplespeak, with deceptive speak, Banks don't have bad loans. They don't have bad debts. They have, quote unquote, non-performing assets. And the assets are rolled over or rescheduled. With um, war and peace, you find these things particularly true, this doublespeak. President George W. Bush in 2003 made this statement. I reminded the soldiers and their families that the war in Iraq is really about peace. Tell that to the people who were killed. And so I'll conclude this episode of The Uncomfortable Truth by urging you to read the great, great routine of Abbott and Costello, Who's On First? You can look it up on Google and you'll find every line. I started laughing at this routine when I was about 10 and I still laugh at it today, but today I laugh at it because it so represents our times. Who's on first? Who? Yeah, that's what I said. Thanks for being with me, folks. Watch the double speak and triple speak. That's the uncomfortable truth. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.